Welcome to Don't Say NFT, the show where we don't say NFT. I'm Danny Clutterbuck, and I'll be your host. Hey, welcome back. Welcome back to Don't Say NFT, the show where we don't say NFT. My name is Donnie Clutterbuck, and I'll be your host today. Thanks to Crypto Sapiens for the production help and to Bankless.com for the ongoing support. This episode is going to be centered around community, which is what we... Um, many people, rather not all people, got into this space for. This is the facilitation of community on a on a scale that is sort of unprecedented in a manner that is unprecedented. But in order to talk about community, we have to talk first about groups or what it means to be in a group and why people would form groups to begin with. First, community. Community is group because you can't have a one-person community. That's not a community. So what are groups? Why do we form groups? What's the point of this? Well, we are sort of inclined to split off into groups of two. And there are two reasons we can do this. I mean, there's a million reasons we can do it, but some people do it because there are shared things like um, Humpty and I both like to explore new technology and think about possible solutions for the future. So we have a dyad, a group of two, when we DM. We are talking to one another about a shared subject that we like to agree or disagree on, but have the same sort of like goal structure on, or at least the same interests about. So that's a dyad that is formed of mutual interests. There are also dyads that are formed of conflicting interests, like maybe traditional male-female partnerships, where one person really likes doing half of the things around the house, and the other person likes doing the other half of things around the house. And one of you is critical and analytical, and the other is dreamy and creative, and you form this dyad because you each fulfill a half of the relationship that the other does not. Um, so there are two reasons people pair off. And then there are three-person groups that kind of just don't exist for long periods of time, typically, because, uh, yeah, and there's a lot of jokes we can make about that, and you know what I'm talking about. But those don't exist for long periods of time because typically two people within that three-person group will pair off as having more interests or fulfilling more opposite needs for one another, thereby kind of leaving the third one out. Tetrads, so that's a triad. Tetrads are groups of four. Those also don't typically work because they'll either pair off into two groups of two or a group of two will form within that and sort of like uh, abandon the other two. So we're really, we're looking at two so far, all the way up to four, it doesn't really work. And you see this play out in modern life in a variety of ways. Um, there are friend groups, there are double dates, let's say. You could, you could say, no, Donnie, uh, tetrads do exist because people go on double dates. Well, that's two individual items forming a dyad, I would say, because each one of those married couples or dating couples forms its own singular identity in that case, and then it's just another dyad. A true tetrad would be like, I don't know, like a male, female, 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 or a female, male, 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 or something like that, a relationship where everyone shares an equal part, not just two dyads that are existing in a, in a coexisting kind of fashion. And then we get up to five, which makes a little bit more sense because there's a tiebreaker, meaning that if three people agree they can move on, um, and the other two are going to go, ah, we don't like this. And they'll either leave or they'll stick around. And then same thing with seven. You know, eight's bad because you do, you can have um, a split majority, I guess. A, a typical board of directors is like nine, 12, or 15 people. You always want to be able to make a decision in any situation where you can take most of the people's, uh, I don't know, input into consideration and move on as a group. It's effective to do that. And then we get into bigger groups. And as we get into bigger groups, any size group, really. It sort of doesn't matter if it's like even or odd, let's say a restaurant maybe of 80 employees. It needs management. 80 employees need management. I would say even like seven employees need management in most cases. So there are, while you may increase the group size and become more effective in terms of the amount of sheer input 
and the skill sets you have, the ship turns more slowly because it requires management and management structures. So now things have to be run through these like heads of operation. And typically, human groups have gone up to about 150 in size, and then they split off to a new group because it's sort of ineffective to keep it bigger. And you go, Donnie, but what about one million person cities? That's not a group. It's just a geographical location. You're within certain boundaries and you share but maybe like a tax code or something, but you don't know most of those people. And groups of 150 have traditionally been kind of, I don't know, ineffective to run because after that it loses any intimacy that would even make it a group. And now it's just a blob of people who happen to be near each other. I think we see this play out in Discord servers pretty often where let's say there's a 10,000 piece collection 2,500 wallets that hold it, maybe 1,500 true holders, and probably 150 of those people are active within the Discord server. Every day you go in, I bet if you look at the numbers, you'll find that there are about 150 people who regularly speak with one another. And the rest of them are just sort of like investing, waiting, they like it, it's art on their wall, something like that, collecting, we'll say. Uh, but they're not active participants, so they're not necessarily a part of the community. They might be associated with it. But for the sake of defining what a community is, I think that active participants are what make it. So that's pretty much all of the research that I did, um, thinking of, thinking deeply rather of how groups of people operate and how we've been doing this for a long time. And the questions I wanted to ask everyone is how this plays out in their daily life in real life and how it's played out on the internet for them and how those two things are opposed if they are. Humpty. How's your day going? What did you have for breakfast? <laughs> and what sorts of communities are you involved in? Jim, everyone, thank you so much for uh, hosting this space, Donnie. And always a pleasure to come up here and talk to you and to the wonderful people that you bring up to stage. Um, how was my day? What did I eat for breakfast? What did I eat for breakfast? Eggs and chorizo, tortillas and beans, and uh, no coffee. Uh, I'm doing... Uh, no coffee yesterday. No coffee. My today. condolences. So we'll my condolences, my, my friend. You <laughs> have a headache? Um, no, I just try not to drink uh, coffee every day because I, I I could lose sleep over it, literally. So yeah, and it's not effective. Uh, and my kid, if it's every day, my it kid challenged change. me yesterday. She said, um, "Don't drink coffee," and I was like, "Okay, sure, here we go." Uh, but anyways, what communities am I a part of? I, man, that's that's a that's a loaded question, right? Because I could keep it strictly Web3, um, but I'm going to try something different. I'm going to step away from just Web3. Um, I guess some of the communities that I'm part of, my family, both my 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 immediate family, which is my wife and my my five-year-old, and then you know our extended family, which is our parents and cousins and and everyone else. The rest, I guess, others would be my crypto community, uh, which I've been a part of since about 2016. And that's been an interesting one to observe because it has evolved over time. Um, I think I lead with my values. So because of that, a lot of the people that I engage with regularly tend to be values aligned with me. So even though I started, you know, uh, with a community on one blockchain, and then it was another blockchain, and now, I mean, I'm per pretty much multi-chain. Uh, you know, the people that I surround myself in this space are pretty much here for the same reasons. We see the value in the technology, as, as you said earlier, where we're always geeking out about the new tech uh, that's being developed and then building with that tech for a more positive future. Um, 
some of the other communities that I'm a part of, uh, not to just fall into the crypto rabbit hole, I'm a bit of a Japanophile, so I tend to collect things that are of Japanese nature. One of the things that I've been doing more recently is building um, Gundam models, uh, Gundam plastic models. Uh, and gosh, my collection's up to about 10. Uh, before that, I was collecting watches, uh, more, mostly Japanese uh, movements. So yeah, that's <laughs> a little bit of, of, of my communities and 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 the reasons why you know I, I joined them and and I guess hopefully the reasons why I stay with them too. It's funny we we can use the word community for almost anything that sets people together or sets them apart in a meaningful way. Um, and I hadn't really thought of this until right now, but ethnicities and uh, collectibles both do form communities that probably reach over 150 people, obviously per. But again, this might just be like, a, do I live in New York City and does that put us in the same community? Sort of. It gives us like a similar talking point maybe, but community might be smaller than that. So maybe there's a subset of you interact with on the internet who also paint Gundam or uh, build and collect Gundam Wing um, collectibles. But it doesn't mean that your community is everyone who does that. It means that it's probably everybody you've interacted with or could interact with in some sort of reasonable way. Uh, for that very reason. Also, I was thinking that mommy, daddy, and baby is not just a triad, but it's also a dyad in the way that mommy and daddy are kind of one unit to the baby, and the baby develops a reliance on that character. So I think there are dynamics in most families where the child fares better in communication with one or the other, you know, like mommy's girl or daddy's girl or whatever. Um, and then the other parent just becomes this sort of like ancillary support system to, for when the preferred parent isn't around. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Again, I think it's human. It's something we naturally do. Um, but do you find that that happens in your, like, does your kid default to you or mom specifically? Or is it just always mom and dad or one item? I I would say when before she turned three, so zero to two, uh, she was very close to me. Um, and post third birthday, she prefers mom. And uh, I am, I guess, ancillary, if that's the right word, uh, in terms of like, play a supporting character. <laughs> Only when she needs something that mom can't supply. <laughs> it's big of you to even admit that. So congrats, Humpty. It's still a very important role. Um, Barbara, what's happening? What did you have for breakfast? And what do you think about community, whether you're in them or view them? I think I just had a cup of coffee. I haven't had anything yet. But interesting, <laughs> interesting stuff about community. You know, when I first joined this space, I was alone. Realized I, I, I was alone. I just saw people interacting with each other. I had no idea what to do, you know, like who to talk to. And then I realized that I actually needed a community. And the first community I stumbled on when I joined the web series space uh, was the artist community. But the difference is they are artists. They had things that could connect with, like there was a point of connection for all of them. The only connection I had was, oh, I love art, you know, and I would appreciate their art. But there was something missing. I couldn't be an integral part of their community because I wasn't creating at that point. And I kept asking myself, what do I need to do to be an integral part of this community? Do I need to make an NFT? And I I'm talking about like 
when I first discovered NFTs, right? Like, do I need to make an NFT? Oh my goodness. I'm so sorry, Donnie. I just realized I said it two times. Oof. Okay. So Someone do had I to need... do it first, Barbara. Someone <laughs> had to do it first. You took the bullet. Thank you so much. Damn. And, and I just kept asking, what, what do I need to do? I kept struggling until I found an account that was asking, oh, if you're, if you're female and you need to be a part of, of a community, join this Discord. And I joined the Discord and I started to interact with other people who were not just, who were not creators, but other people who were exploring the space, buying digital assets. And that was how I started getting involved with other communities. And when I found the right community, it felt like home. It was a place where um, it didn't matter where you were from, uh, who you were, your gender, your, like nobody just cared. Like you could feel at home and everybody just connected. It felt at home. And that was the, the moment I started networking with a few other people. So it started with that general community, which was at that point, I think it was the Bubble Goose community. And then I started interacting with one person. And that one person eventually became two people. And I I created, it's like starting another, building another community out of like a general community. Do you understand? So when I met this one person, I introduced this person to another person and we eventually ended up forming a group. And when we formed that group, they had other people they knew that I didn't know. And they wanted to bring these people into this group that we had formed. And before I knew it, the first person I met, I connected with, which I was very close with. I'm no longer close with the person because this person had brought like different other people and they had like just connected with each other and I had also formed some connection with the new people who had joined the group so it's interesting how like we form these these connections and bigger groups can you know like become like subgroups and then subgroups can expand into bigger groups but the most vital thing is you cannot it's hard for you to thrive alone. So you have to like form that one group. And then when it starts to expand, you need to understand what each person in the group is meant to do. Or, or so what are you going to be doing? Are you going to be bringing alpha? Is it um, Ortingos alpha? Is it um, East alpha? What exactly are you going to be doing? So we started to do that and had like some sort of order in the, in the community. So it's, it's a lot that we can discuss when we we we, ha- we have these conversations around community, but I would say that community is the most important thing in our lives, whether it's here in the Web three space or outside the Web three space. We all want to be a part of it, right? We all want to be a part of a community because it's essential for our existence as humans. So I'm just gonna drop it here and listen to other people. You can't make a child alone. Well, I guess now we can make children alone, but we need facilities to help us make those children alone. So you can raise a child alone, but you can't technically make one without some outside assistance. So like even at a very base level with modern technology, you can, no one can survive alone. That's just not the point, especially in a highly skilled um, atmosphere that we've, that we've evolved into where like I can't build a house but I've never not lived in one, right? That that alone is like, that requires such a level of interdependence that it is inherent to who we are now. And it has become so over the years. Um, 
Dyads. We always break off into dyads no matter what. I think that you referenced, Barbara, Bubble Goose is your one of your first communities that you were in that, that like allowed you to break off into sub-communities. It's like going out to a nightclub it with like two friends or something or maybe one friend or even alone and bumping into a group of people that you somehow find that you, you know, you jive with. And then you're friends with them. And now you go to nightclubs with them every weekend because you've you've found a place where you are now stronger than you were before, or at least you've found you found like an a, an extension of your own identity in a way. And I think one of the first ways that we saw this really hit, or, or that I saw it really hit, was when with the Utes 15k PFP collection. Uh, for there to be 15,000 pieces was kind of like it wasn't unheard of, but for for a PFP collection to be 20 or 15,000 at the time was kind of a big deal. And I think we saw like a lot of unique users at that point, like probably more than most projects that ever had, even at their peak. Um, so if there were to be that many people, the first natural thing was that, I mean, mint, even on Mint Day, people were like, okay, everybody else who has noun glasses, we're getting together. What are we doing? And everybody else who has a crown, what are we getting together? Where they made like sub-communities that were called sub-DAOs at the time. And I think we've stopped using that language because it is it's terrible. only <laughs> the O part. It is it is a sub-O. It's an organization. organization. It's not decentralized. It's not autonomous. I, that, was always a, that was always a sticking point for and me. And even too. that's loose. Yeah, I think there was some psychology <laughs> yeah. behind that, though, because Utes was the first collection to have equal amount of traits on each particular one, right? So it was kind of um, by design where... Um, value would be based on equitable numbers, right? So it's not that the designer of the collection said, okay, this is a cool trait, so I'm going to make it a little bit more scarce. And besides the fact that it's cool, people are going to want it more because it's scarce. So there was that component. So there was there was a design aspect to that. And I think the community took and ran uh, with that concept where um, they said, okay, these are all equal, but these are this is the one that I gravitate to. So if you gravitate to that one, I gravitate to not because it's it's more rare or whatever, but because I find some value to it and that kind of bonded people together. That's really worth noting that um, it was like they were planning for there to be too many people to form any sort of organized group and finding ways to give them um, an opportunity to subdivide in equal ways rather than in unequal ways where you don't have this trait. And maybe the trait's more sought after to some degree, but it doesn't mean that it's more... Um, or less frequently obtainable or something like that. So that is that is one way that we've seen NFTs, I'll say it, it's not just you now, Barbara. It's one way that we've seen NFTs traverse this like ancient tribal inclination that we have and mimic it in a way that breaks geography and allows us to talk to people that we've never seen and probably never will, you know? And eventually these groups become their own thing, like you said, Barbara, as new members join and there's like a, there are times of high liquidity when people join and, and dip out really quickly. And you have a lot of new personalities, a lot of new ideas. Um, and this, this entity ends up becoming something that's autonomous separately from its creators or any of its participants. And it begins to move as this like, Oh geez, what is like rat King of, 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 you know, dozens of rats tied together at the tail, making decisions by accident together that no one of them can override and no one ever, you know, whoever tied them together didn't <laughs> didn't have any input in. Macy, what did you have for breakfast today and what part or what communities do you find yourself a part of and why are they valuable to you? I'm having breakfast right now. It's a Robert Irving Fit Crunch. They taste like candy and it's delicious. 
So that's what I'm eating. Macy, right can now. you look on the back of the wrapper and tell me how many grams of sugar? Because I know that you feel that it feels healthy, but if it tastes like a candy bar, I'm going to guess that it has at least 10 grams of sugar. Yeah, I'm going to double that. I'm going to say if it Absolutely. doesn't, it might be worse. <laughs> oh, you guys are three grams of sugar. No, but I'm not better than that. How many? Look at that. Three. Okay, so not that much. They they have they oh, have yeah. artificial sweeteners probably in there or yeah, sugar, sugar alcohol. alcohol. Scary. Yeah, sugar alcohol. Sugar alcohol, which is probably even worse. Um, but anyways, community is awesome. I have one of my own, which is a really fun kind of place I found myself in this ecosystem, and it was almost like um, born out of not having a community to be a part of at first. I said, you know what, screw it, I'll make my own. And it's turned into this like beautiful project and community of people. And, you know, I I really, it was something that I needed at the time. And so I think community is like very close to my heart, especially this one and, and the people that are in, you know, the Pixel Puffs or anybody who fucks with the Puff vision. You are furthering the point that we made, I think, by saying that Macy has a community that she started and Macy can set examples for how that behave, like what the community's ideals are. And that can attract people who have similar ideals. But at some point, the community becomes not only stronger than any one of its pieces because its voice can be louder in aggregate, but also it begins to take on a life of its own where people can start having ideas that would not have come from any one of the other members, meaning that it can sort of deviate the ship can go where one person didn't want it to because now the ship is being steered by so many different people. Um, that's a really fun dynamic that we get to watch play out in real time way faster and way more frequently. I mean, if we go back 100,000 years, this was happening at the speed of foot traffic, literally at the speed of foot traffic, not at the speed of light in telecommunications. Um, so we're watching not only how it breaks people's brains because it happens so much faster and like we're just not set up for that. But how much more power we can have when we join together and how much more immediately that can be effective. Um, Prism, what did you have for breakfast if you are not eating breakfast right now or if you are? And what part, what communities are you a part of and why do you think they're important to you? Well, I had, uh, well, GM, everyone, uh, nice, nice to talk to you, Donnie. It's funny you brought up the the rats because that's that's a community being formed right now, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, that's what it's funny about this is my idea was not to have a rat community, but to have a community of baseline forms. The idea of the rat, like people are de defining the project by the rat now, which I think is really fun because like I, he kind of started the thing. Yeah, yeah, I, I love it. I love it. Um, I haven't checked this at in the last 24 hours or so, but I'm excited to see what else is on there. Well, it's in the mempool stuck at eight sats per V-byte, and either it's going to get pruned whenever that never clears, or we're going to have to wait for a seven sat per V-byte uh, block to clear. So we're just kind of at the, the mercy of this. But something I didn't say, this is not a rat space, but I will say that even if we never get that rat back, let's say it never gets pruned and it never clears, there are 68 more forms behind it. And the next one gets released this Friday, and there will be one per week for the next year and a quarter or whatever that comes out to be. So uh, there are going to be plenty of opportunities to see how this narrative plays out with different baseline forms. Anyway, back to not rats or rats. Go ahead, Prism. Well, I had, uh, I'm pretty boring. I have, I have eggs and bacon every morning. So that's the same breakfast every day. Um, but, uh, 
but yeah, c- community is, is extremely important. Um, you know, not just in this space, but also in, in real life, you, you, you know, as you kind of go through life, you pass through communities and kind of end up with those who are probably more like-minded, but then you're also part of other communities of maybe those that you've known for a long time, um, where you, you're still yourself, but you know that, um, it's just a little bit different. <laughs> um, I'm sure you can relate to that, Donnie. Um, I think we're, we're close to the same age. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, I think community is really important and, and, um, you know, feeling that you can kind of be yourself in these communities is extremely important to people. Um, and so, you know, here in this space, it's kind of a backbone of everything. Like you can't, you can't have a project without, um, without a strong community that believes in that project. And you see, you know, all different types of communities being formed, you know, there are, you know, there's, there's communities that are sort of haven't really made their way out too publicly, um, where, you know, the, the people in those communities are just kind of, uh, they like to stay on top of the market and they like to talk alpha and they like to just, you know, goof around with each other. Um, but then around, around projects, um, it, the community really needs to be formed, um, you know, around what the project is. Uh, and so, you know, I, I've started, I, I actually ran community for a few projects, uh, before starting my own. And then I, I had a, um, just a general community, just a, let's, let's get through the bear together community, um, <clears throat> before ordinals popped up. Um, and, and so, uh, when I started mine, um, it was really, you know, the, the focus that I wanted to s- stick to was those who were really interested in art. Um, you know, those, those that really appreciate, uh, art in this space and, and want to support artists and, um, you know, more collector based than, uh, traditional, I guess, DJs in the space. Um, and, and, uh, but when you start something, the, the community sort of adapts with how, how things move through the life lifetime of that project. Um, and so it's important to kind of, you know, stay on top of those things and um, and make sure that you're you're kind of moving with that community uh, just just as a as a project. Um, but um, but I, you know, I I think it's important for those uh, in these communities to um, to to again be like minded in their, I guess, overall mission or overall reason for why they're here, um, and that that holds the community together when times are not so great. Um, but if you, if you have, you know, sort of formed this group around one common, one common thing, and then you have like outliers outside of that, um, then I think that sets up, you know, long lasting community, uh, around kind of what your mission is. I was thinking while you were talking about that, that it, I think that communities come in a lot of different ways. I'm on the board of directors for, or communities come in a lot of different shapes and sizes and motives and, you know. I think almost everything is a community now that I'm thinking about like the deeper I think about this, the more I realize everything is one. And I'm on the board of directors for the United States Bartenders Guild, which means that I'm on a panel of nine people who is a volunteer and meets several times a year to decide the long-term future or like the not operational, but strategic goals of the organization. We're united by ideology specifically Within that board of directors and the executive committee, which is the president, vice president, secretary, and treasurer, um, which are also volunteer roles and usually board members. So they're kind of like an overlapping set. Um, The executive committee is kind of like the people who get stuff done, while the board is the people who think about what might want to be done. And then from within that, whenever there's like a thing, let's say we have to plan the next conference or whatever, there's a subcommittee of board or executive committee members that are then task-based oriented groups 
that form just for a bit to get something done or maybe to get an ongoing thing regularly done and then disband whenever that's all done. So I think communities can form based on ideology, um, geography, happenstance, whatever, like you just happen to have, let's say you have one leg, there's everybody else on the planet with one leg. Those are the only people who know what that experience is. So that's inherently a community that you belong to and you get to share with. Um, so I think that there are a lot of different ways that this can can uh, ideal, ideate, I guess. And if we're thinking about where we are now, we're on Twitter. And Twitter users are their own community, a gigantic community of people who, you know, 50-50 split disagree about literally everything anyone could think of. There is a, uh, you know, a divide, right? There's 49% of people will think one way and 49 will think another way and 1% will just abstain or whatever, 2% will. Um, influencers who wake up every day and say GM to absolutely everybody and get like 4 million likes and, you know, a, sh a, a ton of retweets on just kind of saying nothing. I have traditionally been kind of like, yuck, mute, unfollow, like this is not valuable content. But I think what I've been not realizing, and I didn't, re I wasn't really that like egregious about it. I didn't like block people who said GM, but I was on kind of like an anti-GM manhunt for a few years. What I'm realizing though, is that those people who say GM every day and have over 40,000 followers are kind of like, channeling the messages of yeah follow me here sorry this is this i'm working this out as i go they're channeling the messages of those who have a lesser follow base by making sure to keep the attention of the heathens everybody all the time anybody who just happens to be scrolling they, they see gm to everyone with an exclamation point and they go that means me and they keep watching they keep watching this person but then eventually this person decides that something that no one has ever heard of is cool and they want to talk about it. And they're like lifting it up to their level of platform that then gets it out to other people. And I've watched this play out a whole bunch of times and it's not like I don't agree or disagree with it. I think it's important to have this like it's basically a community manager who's putting in the effort to just keep people's eyes on them for when eventually it does matter or they think it matters and they get to like channel someone else's message. Prism, yeah, go for it. Yeah, that's actually a great a great thing to talk about. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, so I, I started doing like I used to not care about like the GM message and, and all that, but over the past couple of weeks, I've started making sure to send one every day and including um, a piece of artwork from uh, from just you know an artist that I really like in the space. Just grab one of their pieces that I really like and share it out there with the GM. And what I've found uh, over the past couple of weeks is. Um, you know, there are people in this space that you don't necessarily connect with as often as you can. Um, and this is just a really easy way to, you know, say hello, um, you know, have have a quick message every day um, and, you know, not lose that re those relationships um, sort of build on build on just something very basic like a GM. Um, but then it also gets more eyes on these other artists. Uh, and so, it, I, you know, I've kind of taken that approach where it's not just you know, saying GM for, for interaction, it's really, you know, to get eyes on these artists. And then also, um, just to kind of, you know, continue to build relationships with people that I don't interact with as often as I can. And so I think it's been beneficial for me, at least, uh, just kind of approaching it that way. Um, but, but you're right. There, there are a lot of, there's a lot of engagement tactics out there. So we see a lot of them in ordinals, uh, you know, the copy paste, uh, you know, quote tweets and, and all that. Um, and, uh, but yeah, that's, that's kind of, you know, that's my thinking behind it is, 
you know, it helps build relationships with those that I don't, I should interact with more, but I just, I, I can't, or I, you know, I, it kind of slips my mind. GM is a head nod. I just realized this. So back before the internet, we walk down the street and we like, we're in a community that is mandatory. Let's say let's similar to grade school. We all did that. Even if we had phones, we were in grade school, you walk through the halls, you're not alone. You're walking by people. And every morning you're, you know, sometimes you stop and talk to them. Sometimes you say something and the rest of the time you just look at them and kind of give them a, like, a little head nod. I do this to people walking down the street all the time. But if I live on Twitter, which I primarily do now, um, there is no head nod. And we don't know who's walking down the halls until one of us pops into the Discord chat and says GM, which is just us saying like, hey, I'm, I'm walking through the halls today. Anybody else got a head nod? And then you can end up talking. It's like the, the conversation started that never happened. Macy, yeah, please. The GM is also a beautiful avenue for personal branding if it's used correctly. And, but then also like this like ever growing kind of personal brand that you, you know, like Prism says like, oh, he's sharing art. Then there's this association with like his account and supporting artists. The consistency of the GM just kind of drills that point, you know, the community. So I think it's like a, double-edged sword definitely it is sometimes a cry for for help in times of boredom and it is sometimes a message that carries us through the darkness when no one else is willing to talk and we don't know if we have a platform to do so and someone says gm and we go finally some of the i've been meaning to talk to this about <laughs> talk about this to someone all day do you want to talk about astrophysics because man i just read something cool humpty yeah please <laughs> i just wanted to um relate uh your or i guess add a little color to your comment about the head nod when you were walking down the hallway or now even you're walking down the street you need to uh be wary of your nod whether you're nodding up or down because <laughs> if you're nodding down it's it's a more like a i acknowledge you i'm coming this is through. bull versus bear this uh, is, yeah. yeah, this is aggression versus submission, right? Up, I'm a downward right? nodder. I'm not down. I don't nod up. I don't do that. Yeah. It's like a challenge. Like, what's up with you? What, what you know, what, what's your problem? So, um, the GM, I wonder what the opposite of that would be then, uh, as, you know, as it relates to your, uh, comparison there. <laughs> with the I would say it's down. leaving a negative emoji on a Discord comment that someone made. You know, one of those like, clown emojis on something someone said that's that's you not aggressively interacting but walking by them and going mm -hmm. yeah sure clown barbara yes so i would like to say that the gm culture can be the starting point for an entry into a community right so there are people who are looking for entries and um, it could be the GM that starts off a conversation. So there are people who look forward to GMs every day, right? Um, they're probably just alone, looking around Twitter, scrolling, and they see a GM. Oh, finally, I can start a conversation because when I say a GM to this person, they're going to respond to me. So for some people, the GM is what makes them feel some satisfaction that someone actually cares because it's different for different people here. There are people who have the privilege of being part of huge communities, people who care about them. Then there are other people who are struggling, like they're just alone. They don't have an entry into like some of those big popular communities, especially when we look at it from the alpha community perspective, you know, where there are these group of people who are trading, making some money. They're just struggling 
um, with getting into that. But when they find folks who are GMing together with them, maybe someday they eventually like become a commu- become a community. They could they could start off as just being um, a group of friends. Oh, I could add you to a, a Twitter chat that a group chat that we have on Twitter. Are you down for it? Yes, I'm down for it. So I think that the GM culture is an important culture in the Web three space, and I don't think that it should go anywhere. Because, like you said, Donny, it is that one thing that could be the sunshine that someone needs. Maybe not in the exact way that you put it, but the GM that you get today or that you see today could be the reason why you still believe that the bull is going to come back, like the bull is going to be here. Because you come to the space and there's no one GMing. I mean, there are other important conversations happening. But then you come to the space, you check your TL and there's no GM. It feels strange, right? So I think that it's become an important part of the culture and it could be an entry for someone who's looking for for an entry into a community. It could just be the starting point for for that person. So that's my thought on on GMs and and community. But on the flip side, and full disclosure, I do the whole GM bullshit on one of my collections as well. people have taken advantage of the GM content creators, engagement farmers, right? So I see the worst in people. Listen, I know you guys are trying to make a buck. You don't need to lie to me. I can just look at how many views you guys are getting. You guys are getting paid. So I, I hate it and I love it at the same time. But I hate it more than I love it because I know what you guys are trying to do. And I'm not accusing anyone here. I'm just saying in general, I'm talking about the whole Twitter, because of the whole monetization, you know, I'm talking about everyone in general. So it, it does get so annoying just to see that and like, all right, bro, I, I know you're trying to get paid. Like, you, you know, that's that's when I come in and I'm like, I got to mute all these people like click, mute, click, mute, because it does get annoying. But I love that for those of you that are actually doing it out of the kind hardness of trying to get people to, you know, uh, the the mass adoption, right? We're always trying to get people to mass adopt the crypto, all these ornaments. Sure, it's great, but, you know, that's just, yeah. You can tear me apart if you want. I think there's like a fine balance in between having too many GMs and like actually doing for a real purpose. I remember when I started on crypto Twitter, I would think GMs were kind of... Like, like uh, I don't remember who said it, but it doesn't really have a lot of content to it. But then, as as I went, as time went by, I spent more time on crypto theory. I realized like we don't really see each other in real life. GM is kind of an acknowledgement of, hey, I'm still here. Like, do you guys want to chat? Or I'm just kind of saying hi to the community when I don't really have a lot of content to put out at the moment. But there is a fine balance in between doing it too much and doing it just to say hi, a, a nod to people in in the community. So I want to touch up on that. So why can't we post how is everyone's day? You know, what's going on today? Why can't we why can't we write a longer sentence? Why does it have to be the two characters, the GM? I think I have an idea about this actually. I think it's like a cultural aspect. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's just culture. I mean, I it, you know, I, I hear all this like deep philosophical stuff about the GM and I, I got a little bit derailed because to me it was just always synonymous with hey, what's up? Um so I never thought about it more or less than that, dude. So like in some sense, you know, if you say hi, what's up five, seven times a day, it kinda looks kinda weird. But if you just kinda say that or, or add like a picture, like somebody had mentioned branding, like, hey, what's up? And then, you know, maybe you 
post an artwork that you like and you do that every week, you know, or every day and people like that or something about your particular, you know, whatever value add you have, it's just kind of like a, hey, what's up? So um, I, I think like any type of tool, it could be used in a, in a cringe kind of way and in a positive type of way. And this is just kind of what we have. It's kind of why there's copy pasta on Twitter or on Discord. It's kind of silly, but if you're part of this culture, you're going to end up doing it at some point in time just because you're having a good time and that's just part of the culture. So I think it's just one of those things that uh, when in Rome, you know, you do like the Romans. Well, it's funny you say when in Rome, because I was just going to say, you know, when you go around the world, good day, good morning is said differently. And it's, you know, the culture includes the language of these different groups of people from around the world. Crypto doesn't have universal language, you know, because it's around the world, people speak different languages. So there's these kind of cultural artifacts that have been created alongside the movement, which are, you know, in their own way, uh, separate from, you know, English and Spanish and, and German and Chinese. GM is GM, regardless of where you are in the world. Uh, and it is part of the, uh, you know, language. Uh, or a cultural artifact of the language of the community, I would say. Dude, that's a really, really good point. GM is is not as transcends language, not just geography like um, crypto has, or like like this, not crypto, like the Web three space. Like social media has allowed us to just get away from geography. It's you don't even have to be of a certain subset of people to do that. I hadn't thought of that. Something I had thought of while this was the last few people were talking is that like um, there's a reason for everything. Everything scratches an itch. For example, um, you can't walk backwards. This is an actual law, or was anyway, in Texas. I don't know if they repealed it in the last few months or years or whatever. You can't walk backwards down Main Street with an ice cream cone in your hand. And you might think to yourself, that's stupid. Like, why can't I? Because I, who's trying to stop me from doing that? Well, you can steal a horse like that without ever touching the horse. Because if you're walking backwards with something delicious in your hand, it'll just follow you. So, like, someone did that. Someone stole a horse that way, so now there's a law. I think that for every host set, there a parasite will find it. And if this is an itch that needs scratching, then it will be scratched and the GMs will exist. The only two other things I was going to say is that the GMs in Discord servers help to stop the Discord server from looking like that empty bar that no one will go into because no one's gone into it. <clears throat> so if there's a GM, they might look at it and go, someone is in here. Maybe I'll stop in and say, hi, what's up? Um, also, GM's not a question. It can't go unanswered. It is the head nod, because if you say, what's up, someone cannot answer you, and, they, and it just feels incomplete and weird. And then if there's a what's up in a Discord server that no one ever answered, then clearly nothing's up. But if you just say GM, it's just, you just said GM. Nobody didn't answer that because you didn't ask anything. Yes, Donnie, this is the point I wanted to make was to do like copywriting for social media. And it's like, if you ask someone a question, they're never going to answer it really because it's not their idea and their like thought to answer it but if you do like a call and response type deal then all of a sudden it's the consumer's idea themselves to respond to it and that's how you're like building positive relationships you're not asking for anything in advance you're just simply existing yeah asking a question creates pressure to provide an answer with gms it's like I feel like every community comes up with something that's like a niche to them, right? For example, in my community, it was like bread. It's just like funny, but I feel like every community comes up with a certain type of like little 
piece of it that's really unique to them. Maybe for crypto Twitter, it's GM. Like, and that's how you develop a culture. GM, GM makes it. <laughs> Thank you. Finally, nobody did it. Yeah, GM. I literally just woke up. This is a perfect discussion. Hi, guys. Yo. GM, GM. GM, GM. Wait, so, you're, wait, you, are you eating breakfast today? yet? No, I literally, I'm still in bed, dude. I haven't even moved. I just like reached for my arm, grabbed my phone, saw your face, and joined. Just for context, what what part what part of the of the world are you at? Just to know what time you're rolling out of bed. Oh, it's eleven fifty one p.m. or no, no a.m. P.S. I'm I, I just like these little like bits of information when people tell me that you know it's just a uh, it adds a little bit more context. So uh, thanks for the candor. Yeah, I got you. No more about me. It's, 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 it's Labor Day, you know. My man's just sleeping in today, right, boo? Yeah, we ain't doing work today, baby. <laughs> it's funny when I hear that. I'm like, they don't have kids. <laughs> You're not getting. I hope I don't have kids. young to have kids. You can get up late and not have kids. That's okay. No one's judging you, even though everyone will say they are. Uh, if they're judging you, they're just jealous that you got to sleep in and they didn't. Funny enough, when I quit bartending, I, I stayed up until about five or six in the morning every day. I, I grew up in Buffalo, New York, and bars are open until four in the morning there. It's one of two places in New York State where that's kind of the default, and the other being Manhattan or you know New York City. Uh, so I worked until four in the morning, which means I got home and got to sleep at 6 a.m. for about 10 years. And then the following 10 years of bartending were probably another three or four a.m. bedtime, something like that. Often as late as like seven or eight in the morning bedtime. And then I quit bartending and my body like, wants to get up at seven now. And it's kind of jarring because I don't have any idea how to deal with it. And in a way, okay, let's tie this back. Watch this. I am part of a separate community now because everyone I used to hang out with doesn't get up that early and they don't even start interacting with people until 5, 6, 7 p.m. At that point, I'm just going home and get tucking myself into the Twitter community. And I think that the, the success that I've found in, I don't mean like monetary or uh, socially, I just mean like the the way that I've been able to find a community and find similarities with people on Twitter is probably a direct function of me stopping bartending and stepping out of that separate community that I was in. So maybe we can pivot this to a, if you are in one community, is it somehow limiting your ability to be in other communities? And how has that impacted our journeys? Wait, yes, 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 dude. That's actually what I personally went through when Ordinal started. Because I used to join this Discord group to game like all the time at a specific time. But since Ordinal started, like my hours completely shifted because I'd be focused on like the project and like the space and Twitter for like, the entire day. And I'd only be free at like midnight or like just super late at night. But everyone's off by then. So I was like, damn, what the hell? I'm like lonely. So then I actually got picked up by like this random duo on Valorant and they invited me to their Discord. And that kind of became like my gaming Discord because they're the only people on at like 2 a.m. PST. So I kind of ended up joining a completely different community off of that. So that was a crazy well, no, that, that's and everything we do has an opportunity cost. When we do one thing, we are making the forked choice not to do the other. Steve, now, speaking ahead, of man. gaming, I was going to say uh, what Boo was saying. Like, I used to have my own gaming community, kind of disappeared because of Ordinals, but I've now made a new gaming community within Ordinals because I found people that were on the same schedule as I was, right? So, bam, you know, I got my old community back and I have a new community making new friends. And this is a community it? of convenience, kind of like your friends in high school or middle school. You get to be friends with them because you happen to be there. But as soon as you're not there anymore, it doesn't quite matter, right? And it's not to say it's not meaningful. 
It just means that it's something that's pure happenstance. You're only a part of that community and not another one because you go to sleep at a certain time. Uh, I was going to go Biggs, then Prism, if that's okay. Hey, good morning, Donnie. This is great. Um, hey, shout out to Boot for waking up so late and laboring so much to rest and recover. <laughs> um, I'm on the West Coast too, Boot, so I, I understand what this waking up at 11 <laughs> Um, now, Donnie, I think what you made, the point you made was actually beautiful because I think sometimes people do take community way too seriously where it's like, if I'm part of this one, I can't be a part of another one. And that bartending kind of season of your life, I think people should appreciate that there are going to be communities that are seasonal for you, you know, like as you come and go and go about your life or move to different places, you're going to find just a different set of people to kind of do life with, whether it's staying up super, super late because of your job. Um, or maybe it's your current job where you're hanging, spending a lot of time. You know, I have a lot of friends who are chefs and like they have a, their community is so interesting because it's late night hangouts. They get there super early in the morning. They're there until restaurant closes around midnight. And then from like 1, 2, 3 a.m., they're all hanging out. And it's just all the restaurant people hanging out, you know, um, that late at night. And so... Yeah, I think it does prevent you from from participating in certain communities, but there's a certain beauty in just kind of going with the flow and appreciating that, hey, this is my season in life. This is the community that I have. I love spending time with these people and getting to know these people. And there will be relationships that will transcend your community that end up kind of coming into like your inner circle, right? That inner circle that I think all of us have uh, that we that we stay in touch with uh, that we bring like the heaviest and the greatest moments of our life to share with. And I think that's the the beauty of the shared human experience. You can move your boat from the port, but you got to bring it back at some point, right? There's always going to be that one dock, that one place that you call home home and you visit other places, but you can also change your home. And we were talking a lot about this with the um, collectibles episode the concept of where you put your things is where your home is and you can drive your boat around all you want. But if you don't put your paintings in the next place that you live or your assets in your next wallet, it's really not yours, is it? And it's, it's funny we even say things like yours, my community, because it really isn't anyone's community. It's a community we belong to. We, we have a lot of strange ways of using this language. I had a comment to make about directed versus undirected communities, but I'm going to come back to that after Prism. What's up, Prism? Yeah, I just wanted to touch on uh, what Big said also kind of touched on at the beginning of what he said as far as the communities that maybe aren't as supportive of you joining other communities. And I think we definitely see some of that um, where people are really dug into to one project. I, th I think it's probably more like prevalent now than it will be in the future as far as here in the ordinal space because there are fewer projects. Um, but I, this is something I've noticed over the past couple of weeks is, um, you know, people kind of dig into one community and if they go explore others, they're not as comfortable representing those other communities as they are this, this, this one, this bigger one, um, maybe because of social pressure to, you know, be representative of that one community, um, or of that one project. And, you know, what might happen if they start, you know, talking about other projects and things like that. I don't know if it happens publicly uh, as much as it happens kind of in, you know, DM chats and, and those sorts of things. Um, but, you know, I, I do see, I don't know if anyone else sees this, but there, there are a few uh, communities here that um, maybe aren't as supportive of you going out and kind of exploring the whole space rather than just, 
uh, digging into one specific thing. Oh, damn. I know. Conservatism. Oh, I was going to say, I was like, yo, I need some names. I need to know who these communities are. <laughs> you don't have to say anything. Um, but, but it's interesting you bring that up because now, I, I guess for me personally, the communities in crypto that I value the most are the communities I'm in with my friends, right? Um, or the communities that my friends have built or, you know, people that I trust or, you know, word of mouth type of a community. I don't just enter a community anymore just because we see so many, to be honest, rug scammers. The majority of the early founders or founders period have just kind of gone once their Ornos collections were minted out. And I'm talking about crypto Ornos in specific. So, you know, the, the trust factor uh, for me now, as I'm venturing out and seeing different types um, of the communities that are being built, um, it is important for me, uh, you know, and knowing that a friend or someone that I'm familiar with is within that specific community in order for me to join. There's a Darwinism at play that has not yet played out with this community, not this community, this space in general, where like um, po politics have, there's factions that have formed because like we know what the full spectrum is that we currently operate within. So we can draw a line from ourselves to others on that uh, 360 degree wheel of points with diametrically opposed positions on them. Um, and we have not seen this space. We don't know what the point is yet. So we don't know how to align properly, which means that none of the projects or communities that are founded within it really have a strong set of like undeniable beliefs. But we will still always be half conservative and half progressive as a species because it's necessary for our survival to do that. So there are going to be people who found a community and now that's the only one they want to be in forever. And that's okay because it takes those kinds of people to stand back and hold down the fort while all of us other weirdos go out and explore every community in the world, just in case all of those fail and we fall off into the abyss. There are some humans left still in that original community who just like just would not budge. I think it's human. It's natural. It's supposed to happen. Everyone who drives an electric car is mad at the people who drive gas cars because they think that electric cars are the future. But maybe they're not. Maybe lithium-ion batteries are going to be what ultimately destroys us. And if we all drive electric cars, maybe we'll be dead as a species. It's good that people are hanging back. It's good that we're dividing infrastructures. And I think it's important that we do this in every single piece of our lives. So we're supposed to have different viewpoints. And I think it's, that's a good thing. Um, I wanted to bring up directed versus undirected communities. And I think this is something maybe we've only recently with with the, the onset of web three we're seeing people do things that they haven't done before like um let's say country clubs popped up because there were a bunch of rich people who were like well where do i go to hang out with my rich friends i'm sick of hanging out with poor people all these other places are full of people i don't want to hang out with so like let's solve a problem and they make this exclusive club that everybody can hang out at right um we are just <laughs> we're seeing people form communities in the web three space there's very little barrier of entry you can just sign up for a candy machine or whatever thing and spit out a bunch of things and say, anybody who has this thing, we are going to unite as this other thing. And that's a really good thing. I think it's it's providing equity in a landscape that didn't previously have it. But I don't think that we've fully explored this narrative to the point where we even know why we're doing it yet. I don't think we've we've gone far enough into it to look back and like check our track, tracks through the snow and go, oh, that's what we've been doing this whole time. So I think that we're, inherently trying to scratch an itch that has been 
itchy for millions of years, but I don't think we totally know what's causing that itch. And I'd like to posit that there are communities that form in a, they say, I'm going to make a Twitter. I'm going to make a discord. We are going to organize for what? I don't know. Maybe I do know, but I don't fully know yet. And there are other things that might just pop up and occur. They might just happen, but they're sort of void of any specific, uh, I guess, gating. So they don't have an NFT that goes with them. They don't have like a Twitter page. Let's say, for example, the rat. The recent um, forms NFT thing where we're reinscribing rats on this rat. There is no Twitter. There's no Discord. There is only one rat. It's locked in the mempool. And there are future things that it will that will be like released, and people can collect them and think about them and talk about them. But it's not inherently a community, although there is a community of people who know what it is. It isn't really technically a community at the moment. But if you buy a Jeep or you like Jeeps, does that put you in a community with other Jeep owners or Jeep enthusiasts, even if it wasn't necessarily organized and you don't even have to have a Jeep to get into it? How is this going to play out in the Web3 space? How are we going to see these things morph into what we've been doing all along, but faster, better, and I guess higher amplitude for the better and the worse? Anybody have any thoughts on this? I, I'm a part of the Jeep community, and I absolutely love it. <laughs> like the, the Jeep wave, um, you know, coming out to coming out of the store and somebody's sat a, a duck on your uh, on your handle. Um, like that's another Jeep thing. If they, if Bro, they I love Jeep. those. Dude, I, I love it. I love it. Um, but I wonder uh, if yeah. I went into any room full of eight people and mentioned the word Jeep, would at least one of them have a Jeep? Because there's eight of us on stage. It's what are they? <laughs> you have a Jeep, and you're part of the thing I was just happened to be referencing. So it's crazy. But that's interesting. That's an interesting. Um, I know I've never really thought about that, but that is a community. It's like a very dis, you know disparate community. Um, but there's these very significant things that happen in that community that sort of connect. I'd like to point out an interesting fact about Jeeps. So Jeeps have, besides having like one of the strongest like resale values, and that kind of a testament to like the desirability of it. It also has the highest turnover. So I, I think what that points to is the idea that it's kind of owning a Jeep is not about owning the Jeep. It's about saying I lived a certain kind of lifestyle, right? Like I could have had leather and I could have had, you know, a sunroof, but I decided to live like this Jeep lifestyle. And it's it, that's that's really what it speaks to. And so when you're buying the Jeep, you might actually not even like Jeeps. But in your mind, you told yourself this story. This is the type of person that I want to be. And so I think that's why the people that actually tend to have them for like, you know, three years, five years, 10 years, the only car that they have, that's the people that they gravitate to each other because it is such a like lifestyle concept and they've gravitated to it and they've embraced it. And they're like, well, if you've embraced it and I've embraced it, we must be similar. Utilitarianism. This is a group um, forming around a common ideology of utilitarianism and exploration potentially. Um, an individual strength. I bet individuality is a big part of that. Um, so I guess we can say that while we form these member-driven groups, like the U.S. Bartenders Guild that I was talking about earlier, you have to buy a membership to be a part of it. Um, there are also many groups that we don't even mean to be a part of necessarily that we are. And these groups are much larger than 150 people. It's it's <laughs> Everybody who owns a Jeep is a part of this group, Right. It's really, it's difficult to even define what a group or a community is when you start digging down deep because it feels like every person or dyad or triad or whatever is its own data point. And there are like an infinite number of lines between each data point because we belong to so many communities simultaneously and sometimes even by accident. 
I don't even know if I have any further to dig on this except for <laughs> tying it back in in the coming episodes because uh, this has been quite enlightening. Um, I'd love to hear any closing remarks from anybody. Unless our brains are all tired out, then I'll just play a song. Anybody? No, I just want to say uh, thanks for the space. I, I this is one of my favorite spaces every week. Um, I, I love uh, I love your the host or the um, the spaces you host. I think they make you think a lot differently than you do in other spaces. So I uh, appreciate you and uh, glad to glad to join the conversation. And, and Donnie, this is thanks, one President. of my favorite communities. So shout out to uh, Donnie's <laughs> community, right? Don't say NFT. It's a temporary community, a pop-up community, if you will. It's happening. It's like a food truck. It's just in the parking lot for now. It's not going to be in the parking lot in a few months. I just oh feel God. like it's okay. it's so it's so nice to be here and just it like it's such a nice flowing conversation. I feel like there's like no pressures. It's just so nice to be in the spaces with Donnie. Thank you, Donnie. Donnie, a little psychology here. If your if your spaces had to be a food truck, what food would you be serving? Would you be serving tacos, lobster? Oh, sandwiches. sandwiches. sandwiches 100%. I love how I quick you answered that question. Into the bar My favorite part of that answer I, uh, was how quick you answered it. You had zero doubt what your answer was. It's like he knew. It's like he knew this was coming. Yeah, we didn't talk about this in advance, so he didn't know I was going to have any sort of answer to this. I managed a Subway restaurant, if you can call it that, a food depot food canister for three years before I entered the bar bar industry, you know, like the bar and restaurant industry. And there's something about the way that my brain operates that loves making sandwiches and really loves eating well-made sandwiches. And let me explain to you briefly why. The ratio of the middles to the bread is like super important. Also the division of items in there is, so like if you take a bite of a sandwich and the turkey slides out the left side and the ham slides out the right, you built it wrong. There's not enough friction to keep everything together. I think that I'm one of the only people who's meticulous enough in sandwich making to make sure that every single bite you take of that sandwich is not laborious and is perfectly the same as every other bite. Humpty, please. Yeah, sort of bring it back to the conversation and, and, and that we, we were having just a little moment ago because I think you made a point, um, and this is not to disregard your amazing sandwich-making skills. Uh, I think that in itself is a space. Um, but you said something that I've been debating or, or, or discussing uh, at length on Farcaster. So if anybody doesn't know, that's a different social app. It's a really amazing group of people that are in there. If you want to get in there, let me know. Um, happy to forward you an invitation. But there has been a conversation that has been surfacing over the past week that has to do with death. And really, someone's positing or proposing the idea that death is optional. Uh, and in the future, that will not exist. And one of the things that I've challenged or rebutted in is that Death is like a natural uh, system that allows for biology to evolve, right? And this, but it's not even just biology. It goes beyond that, where it allows for new ideas to flourish. I mean, the best example of this is politics. You see a lot of the older politicians have really old ideas and they're not, they don't reflect the needs of younger communities um, that wish to challenge, you know, the status quo, but because the people who are in power don't allow them to 
uh, don't move on, right? Um, they're not able to voice their 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 desires, uh, their, their you know the, the vision that they have for the future. So it is only when they leave because they've passed that they have an opportunity to elect younger people that then start to move government, move communities in different ways. So this to bring it back to communities, when you said that this is a pop-up community, I think it's wonderful to also see communities as something that is not permanent, that's something that's okay to have an expiration date. Because when it does, all of the resources that were stuck, trapped in that community are able to be shared across new communities and they will flourish because whatever they learn, whatever they double down on, they'll be able to take into these groups and have a more different people uh, participate in that, uh, you know, uh, think tank, if you will, and flourish together as they propose new things, as they create new things as well. This goes back to that thing we were talking about. You're right, like 20 minutes ago, opportunity cost. When you do one thing, you're inherently choosing not to do every other thing. And if that one thing never stops happening, no other things can happen. So the end of one makes for makes room for other and i mean other in exactly the way that you think anything that has been subjugated or not paid attention to I, what, what are the like there are a lot of laws in the u.s that regard like antitrust is supposed to stop or the concept of antitrust is supposed to stop one thing or one person or one anything from having too much power for too long so I think that we as humans know this already. We know that old stuff has to stop happening for new stuff, but we give it generational time or generally speaking, kind of long time frames. Maybe historically they're very short, but relatively long time frames for like, you have just enough time to get in, make some good changes and step out, make room for someone else to come in and adjust the system so that it actually is representative of the aggregate of human knowledge, whatever it is that we're all trying to say at the same time, whatever that single output is from all of our voices, um, one thing has to stop. You know, one person has to hand off the megaphone, I guess, in order for anyone else to be heard. So, yeah, really great pivot from sandwiches. That was It was nice to talk about sandwiches for a minute. I feel like I really needed that. But I'm glad that we wrapped this up in a way that uh, – ties it back to why communities exist and why it's important to have new communities. Always. It's always important. To, that, that's why any of them still exist. It's why more keep popping up because they do get traction because we do need to explore new ideas in order to progress as a species. Um, we have someone new on the stage. I wanted to give them a chance to chime in about uh, community if they'd like. It's Flow Science. Oh, what's Science? up, Donnie? Okay. Yeah, this, is, this has been such an awesome conversation. Wow, I just had to come up here. Um, especially, I mean, you talked about natural selection, so no, I definitely have to come up. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, the background is a biologist and, and, and working in communities for a while. I used to be a contributor to CryptoSapiens. Uh, you know, so it's just, uh, it's awesome to be here. And I think that everywhere this conversation has come from, like talking about the cultural significance of GM and like, right, choosing like making making a choice is an active exclusion of something else, right? Like this is it gets to so many things. I think like communities, um, or especially like decentralized communities, there's this like ongoing relationship. It's like a relationship with a person, right? Um, like that this community has a life, right? And contributors to their community, like whether it's a down you're working or whether it's like 
in a social community and you're like spending your time there, you're still spending something, you're spending your time, right? So you're choosing and yeah, you're making that like it's like it's like any sort of relationship. You're choosing to be with this community, right? You're choosing to not be with somebody else. And I think there's just so many good threads in this conversation that I just wanted to just I don't really have a question. I just wanted to comment on that. <laughs> I just wanted to get, I hear someone say something, there's a word in everything that they said, and it just sticks with me. And Flow Science just mentioned decentralized communities. And and I remember, this just took me way back to the beginning of the conversation when you were talking about like sub-DAOs and how that uh, jargon has is being less utilized because they're neither decentralized nor autonomous. And it's and it's interesting, right? Because it's when I hear community, and maybe this is just me, um, it is almost like and i haven't had coffee for two days so forgive me if i can't connect the the, the neurons in my brain to to come up with the right word but if, to me when i hear decentralizing community it's the same thing right because you have a choice to be a part of that community to be a member of that community whether that is even in your family you can opt out you can say just because I share a last name, just because you know I I I, I, I have a parent. Um, if you don't align with the values of those people, you can say I'm going to exit stage left um, and no longer be a part of this family. The same thing with your country. You can say peace out. I'm going to get uh, you know uh, nationalized somewhere else because I believe in those values and not mine. So decentralized communities to me is actually quite a oxymoron there we go um because uh, you know th there's no need for it to be decentralized we are already able to um have that opt-in and opt-out and also make choices and decisions of our own without some central governance i love that it's like technology like the most basic form of technology is language right and communicating and and so yeah ultimately to have any community to have any coordination you have to talk to somebody and use the tech. It's right. Like, so any, you're right. Like all the way down to the most basic primitives, like decentralized communities and oxymoron. It's hilarious. Maybe primitive communities. And I'm by primitive, I mean, just non-digital age communities have always been our way of voting with our time and attention in a, in a world that didn't maybe take it quite as far as we do now. Um, and we're still being given that opportunity. We have a lot more communities happening simultaneously and time and attention have become a currency. No, I would say are still the dominant currency. Uh, maybe other things can be representative of those things, but time and attention seem to be the standard method of voting that is truly effective. Um, and the digital age allows us to do this on a scale that is, uh, I guess, a scale and a pace that's totally unprecedented. And is making us ask a lot more questions about who's doing what, why they're doing it, and what we can do to change or add to that. This has been an episode of Don't Say NFT, episode six, Community. Thanks to Crypto Sapiens for the production help. Thanks to Bankless Style for the ongoing support. Thanks for everybody who came up and talked. This has been a very dynamic and enlightening conversation that I look forward to continuing through the next what is it? Nine episodes. The next one is on memes, followed by artifacts, provenance, uh, on-off-chain discussions, art, and then an anthropological zoom-out, followed by an interview with my wife and mother about what they did and didn't understand about the conversations we're having. So with that, if no one has any further, and I will take it as such, I hope you have the best day of your entire lives, everybody, and I'll see you next time. Thank you so much. This has been another episode of Don't Say NFT. 
the show where we usually don't say NFT. Thanks again to Crypto Sapiens, Bankless DAO. Have a great day, everybody.